number six. For those that are uh, uh, contemplating and, and uh, already have said they're going to go on our Boston, uh, our Boston missions trip, uh, we're going to be meeting right after church, right here in the auditorium for just a, a few moments. So if, you're, if that interests you and you signed up for that or you're still thinking maybe you might want to go, and uh, we appreciate uh, you meeting right here. We had that previously scheduled for uh, 5.45, but we'll have it uh, this morning. Fees, I mean, this, e- this afternoon, right after the morning uh, service. Let me say it's good to have you here today. I want to thank all the the bus uh, people uh, that came and and you that dressed in green. Uh, Listen, the pastor didn't uh, wear any green today, but I ate Lucky Charms for breakfast. Does that count? That ought to count for something. (laughs) No, I didn't really eat Lucky Charms. (laughs) I had uh, biscuits and gravy and eggs and and, uh, all kinds of good stuff at the bus breakfast today, amen. But uh, I just thought maybe a little bit of lightheartedness would be a, a help and a blessing uh, to us. This morning we're going to finish up with a series that we started uh, a little while ago entitled Men Not Always to Pray. And uh, this, uh, this morning we've entitled this message Sweet Hour of Prayer. If you uh, found your place in Ephesians 6, we're going to be reading that in just a, a moment or two. So uh, just uh, be ready to stand as we read God's Word. Uh, Well, let's just go ahead and read it, first of all. Let's stand and let's read his word. Ephesians 6, verses 18 through verse number 20. The Bible says, Praying always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, but therein I may speak boldly, as I ought to speak. I want us to think on this thought uh, this morning on sweet hour of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we come boldly before the throne of grace this morning. We're so thankful, Father, for your people that have... uh, in the midst of, uh, of, of the coronavirus going around in our nation, they have saw fit to be in your house uh, today, Father, for the preaching and teaching of your word. So, Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would have free reign and free course and working in hearts and lives this morning. And, and Father, even to this end, that if there be someone here who doesn't know Christ as their own personal Savior, that, Lord, they might be saved this very morning. So, Father, we give you this day and this hour and this time we thank you for those workers in the nursery and the junior churches and children's church and even taught church father bless them father for their faithfulness to our children and, and helping them to understand the gospel in their own appropriate manner so lord we love you we thank you we pray for those that can't be here because of sickness father and those that that have stayed home under the advisement uh, of our elected leaders and perhaps their doctors and family lord let them know we care for them we love them we pray for them and we pray and ask these things in jesus name we pray amen and amen you may be seated From the time we were a child, we were taught to pray this way. Fold our hands this way and do what? Close our eyes. Well, sometimes we teach our children uh, to bow our heads. Sometimes that doesn't really happen. Oftentimes when I would uh, look at my children when they're praying at night, they'd be praying with their eyes wide open. Their hands were folded. They're on their knees on the bed, but they were just looking around and praying. But basically, I believe most of us were, as we were young children, we were taught to pray with our eyes closed. And most of us, as adults, at least I do, I pray with my eyes closed. You say, why do you do that? Because if my eyes are open, I'm thinking about this and I see something else and 
So it helps me to concentrate more if my eyes are closed and my knees are bent and my heart is in the attitude of worshiping our wonderful Savior. You know, our praying can take many different forms. We can pray in private or we can pray in public. We can pray with a loud voice or we can pray with a very silent voice. We have set times for prayers and we have spontaneous prayers as well. We pray in all types of positions and all types of postures. Uh, we uh, pray as we stand, as we kneel, as we walk, even as we oftentimes lie down. We pray when we drive. We pray when we rest. We just honestly pray all the time. Oftentimes we pray at home. It's good to pray at church. We pray at work and listen. You often pray on vacation. Some people believe this, that when they get in their car and they leave the city limits, they believe they're on vacation. They take vacation from work, vacation from family, vacation from God. Basically what they do, what happens on vacation stays on vacation. Listen, that might sound good to the city of Las Vegas, but the truth of the matter is God still sees and God still knows, and we should never take a vacation or think we take a vacation from God. Some of us pray with our heads down. Some of us pray with our, uh, our hands up. We we also pray with our eyes closed and also pray with our eyes open. The Bible talks about many different forms of prayer. But listen, the Bible doesn't promote any particular form of prayer. I think about the Lord himself. He prayed as the Bible is to read through the Bible. He prayed while standing. He prayed while sitting. He prayed while kneeling. And probably he prayed while he reclined as well. In the culture of that day, they didn't have dinner tables and dining room tables like we did. They would sit around a small little table just to about this high, and they would recline back uh, on one arm or recline back on their elbow, and oftentimes they would eat that way. So no doubt the Lord played even in a reclining position. We can pray anywhere. We can pray at any time. We can pray, get this, about anything. There's nothing too big or too small that we can't take before the Lord. We had a Sunday school teacher in the church I was a part of down in South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, and, and he made this statement one time. He said, you know what? I don't think we ought to bother the Lord, the Lord every morning about, well, what suit am I going to wear today, Lord? Or what shoes am I going to wear? Listen, if you need guidance, it's not a bother to the Lord. He wants you to ask him. He will give you that kind of guidance. Sometimes you don't really uh, need to get guidance from the Lord, but then sometimes maybe you do. So there's nothing too little. There's nothing too great. And everything in between is important uh, to God. So I want to share with you some things uh, about prayer uh, this morning that I believe uh, comes in light of this text that we're going to look at. And I think it will be a help to us. Notice, first of all, <coughs> excuse me, the concept of prayer. The concept of prayer. So we want to ask ourselves this question. What is prayer? How do we define prayer? Well, the dictionary defines it this way. A request for help or an expression of thanks that's addressed to God. A request for help, or an expression of thanks that's addressed to God. As I began to mull that over and think about that, I think a lot of times we get the first part right. <coughs> a request for help. But prayer is more than just asking and receiving, and our prayer life ought to be an expression of thanks for what God has already done for us and what God is doing for us and what God will do for us in the present. F.B. Meyer wrote a book entitled The Secret of Guidance, and in that book he said this, The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unanswered 
offered prayer. And I think wherein we live today, that's what the case is. It's not that God doesn't answer prayer. It's that we don't pray, and the prayers are unoffered. And so they're unoffered, so they're not heard. Instead of uh, being something we really do every day, like breathing and eating and, excuse me, and walking and talking, it's become like that little glass box that's on the wall that says this, in case of emergency, break glass and pull handle. And it's sad, but it's true that a lot of times we only associate prayer with times of crisis in our life. Even this morning, Pastor James uh, told me that he spoke with evangelist Byron Fox and he saw him at Walmart and he relayed this to him, that the legislators and senators up in, up in Richmond are almost in a panic requiring and asking people to come and pray uh, for the state, pray for uh, the coronavirus. And well, in just uh, a few weeks ago, they were trying to pass an unlimited abortion bill. They were trying to do things that despise God and, and makes God angry. But now, in the times of crisis, they're coming to him and want someone to pray for them. I heard a story the other day about a man who encountered a bit of trouble while flying his little Piper Club airplane. And he called the, he called the control tower, and it, the conversation went something like this. Pilot to tower. I'm 30 miles from the airport, 600 feet from the ground, and I'm out of fuel. I'm descending rapidly. Please advise. Over. Tower to pilot, tower to pilot, the dispatcher began. Repeat after me, our Father, which art in heaven. Now you understand. Oftentimes, in times of crisis and trials, we bend our knee and bow our heart and come to a Father who loves us so very much. Someone said this, and our church's prayer is talked about more than anything else. Thank God that it is. This year we want to concentrate on prayer here at Sharon Baptist Church. But then he goes on to say this, and practice less than anything else. How sad but true that is in most churches today. Do you understand that for the believer, those who are saved and born again, prayer is one of the greatest gifts and responsibilities that we have outside of salvation after we are saved? God gives us that gift and the privilege to pray for ourselves and to pray for others. Paul was somebody who understood what prayer was and the power that came through prayer. If you think about it, Prayer to Paul wasn't just a side thing that he did every once in a while. It was part of Paul's life. And Paul, really, if you study the epistles that Paul writes, he just takes it for granted that all believers have a big part of prayer as their personal, in their personal life. He just takes it for granted that we ought to be praying. Someone said this, you can't really be a good Christian and not pray. Just like you cannot have a good marriage if you never talk to your wife. One old guy said, I think that's a pretty good marriage, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. He went on to say this. You could be a Christian and not pray, just like you could be married and not talk to your wife, but in both circumstances, you are miserable. Prayer is the pipeline of communication between God and his people, between God and those that say they love him. Well, as we think about uh, what is prayer, we could simply define it this way. Number two, prayer is simply 
talking to God. It's simply just talking to God. You see, the Jews in Paul's days have several set times of the day that they would offer prayers up to the Lord. They would offer uh, times basically in the morning and at noon and then at evening time. The Muslims in our day today, guess what? They take it a step farther. They pray about five times every day, anywhere from uh, 20 to 30 minutes to sometimes an hour. They pray five times a day. Let me ask you, how's that stack up with your praying this morning? How does that, let's just go 30 minutes, five times a day, how does that stack up to your praying? Well, I don't know about you, but probably for most of us, even those who don't believe in God the way that we do and believe in his son Jesus Christ, have more time of praying to their God than we do to a true God. In Christianity, you say, well, Pastor Dave, what is our prayer time? Listen, Paul tells, says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 that we are to pray without ceasing. That's our prayer time. To pray without ceasing literally means this, that we are to live in a constant awareness of God and his presence throughout the day. It's good to have set times of prayer. I, I like that. But our heart and our attitude ought to be continually towards God throughout even our workday. Basically, we have three kinds of prayers. There are specific prayers, there's non-specific prayers, and then there's silent prayers. But all types of these prayers, we ought to understand, we ought to pray persistently. In Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9, we find a, a man continued to ask his neighbor for some bread. It was in the middle of the night, and he said, hey, I have a need of bread. And he kept asking. The man said, go, basically, go away. Get out of here. Go away. And he persisted, and he persisted until the man met his needs. And after that parable, Jesus spoke these words, and I say unto you, ask, and it shall be given. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. And that means that you and I are to persist. We are to ask and keep asking. We are to seek and keep seeking. We are to knock and we are to keep knocking. And the point of this prayer is that God answers the specific, persistent prayers of his people. Listen, my friend, it's not a one and done and it's over with. It's, it's consistent. It's persistent. Well, we have the concept of prayer, but then notice secondly this morning, the contents of our prayer. Paul divides our prayer life basically into two parts here in our text. He first mentions prayers. Literally, he means non-specific prayers. Let me help you understand that this morning. There are times when we pray for faithful preachers. We even pray for faithful missionaries on the mission field. We don't may perhaps know them specifically. We don't know what their specific need is for this particular day. We just know they came here and they ministered to us and we told them we'd pray for them. So we pray for them in a non-specific way, asking God to bless them and be a help to them. There are times that we pray for the persecuted Christians all around the world. Again, we don't know them by names, and we don't know what they're exactly going through at this specific time, but we pray for them in non-specific prayers. There are times that we pray for fellow churches. Every, every Sunday morning, I, I have a list of churches that I like to pray for, independent fundamental Baptist churches similar to ours, uh, and I pray for them. I pray for their pastors 
Again, I don't know what their needs are, but understand this. We pray for them in a non-specific way, believing them to believe God's word as we do. So we ask God to bless them. And because we know that God hears our prayers, and according to his will, he answers those, we offer up those unspecific uh, prayers. But get this, only when we get to heaven will we discover how those nonspecific prayers were answered. Oftentimes when a missionary comes back on furlough, he'll say, thank you for praying for me. You told me you were praying for me, and this is how God answered your prayer. And I, I thought uh, early days of my Christian life of being saved and born again, well, I never prayed for that. Boy, I wish I would have known about that. Listen, God knows, amen. He knows what they specifically needed. We prayed unspecifically, but God through the Holy Spirit made it specific in their lives. I might not know what the church down the road needs. I might not know what the pastor across the town needs, but guess what? I know the God who does know what they know. So I go to him with all these nonspecific things I don't know, and I look to him to take care of those things that he knows that I don't know. Well, Paul only, not only talks about nonspecific prayers, we find he mentions supplications, or we could say specific prayers. Look in Ephesians 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer, again, that is the generic nonspecific prayer, and supplications. Again, that term supplication gives us the idea of specific prayers. And he said, in the spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. You understand this morning that children almost all the time pray specific prayers. They don't particularly pray non-specific prayers. They pray, they pray specific prayers. In fact, uh, children uh, almost always do that. I want to share a few with you. Here's one from Debbie, who was age seven. Dear God, Please send a new baby for mommy. The baby you sent last week cries too much. That's a specific prayer. Dear God, who do you make smarter, boys or girls? Well, of course we already know that answer, don't we, Henry? Amen. My sister and I want to know Jimmy, age six. Dear God, how many angels are there in heaven? I want to be the first kid in my class to know that answer, Norma, age eight. Dear Lord, Thank you for the nice day today. You even fooled the weatherman, Hank, age seven. Dear God, I need a raise in my allowance. Could you send one of your angels to tell my father, thank you very much, David, age seven. And lastly, this prayer, dear God, this is my prayer, like God didn't already know. This is my prayer. Could you please give my sister some brains? So far, she doesn't have any. <laughs> I don't know about that. We've all probably prayed a similar prayer for our bosses or our spouses or our children. What I'm simply saying this, that children oftentimes pray specific prayers. Have you ever prayed and 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 nothing ever happened? It might be that sometimes uh, we need to pray very specific prayers like these children. I believe that God would desire for us to pray specifically if we know specifically what they need. And I believe if we don't know what they know, God understands that, and he, he understands and he knows that. But if we know specifically 
We ought to pray very specifically. It, it might be sometimes that we need to, to pray very specific children, prayers like children do. That word supplication refers to prayers that are very specific in nature. When Dinah and I pray for you, we often mention specific prayers. Sometimes we don't know what your needs are when we pray for you. But oftentimes, and sometimes, we do know specifically what you're going through in your life. If you have a sickness, we specifically pray for that. If you have lost people in your family and you're on the prayer list, we specifically pray about that. If you have a financial need in your life, we pray specifically about that need. If you have a burden, we can pray specifically about that. Here's the advantage of praying specifically over nonspecific prayers is when God answers nonspecific prayers, most of the time we don't know that he's answered them. But if we pray specific prayers and he answers them, especially in our own household of faith, we have a good opportunity to know that God answered them. We can give him honor and glory. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, Paul makes some very specific requests, even for himself. Notice what it says. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, then notice this, and for me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see, Paul was instructing the Ephesian Christians to pray prayers of supplication. He said, I desire you to pray specific prayers. But then notice, he's talking about praying uh, for others. He said, pray for all saints. But then that's nonspecific. Then he gets specific. And then he says in verse 19, and for me. Well, what did the Apostle Paul want the churches at Ephesus to pray for? He had some very specific needs. Notice what he said. Pray for utterance might be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul said, I want you to pray specifically for me, that God might give me the words to preach and to teach, that I might open my mouth boldly and proclaim claim the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He said, I don't want to be afraid to speak as the Holy Spirit moves me. He reminds his friends in Ephesus that he is in bonds. And he wants them to pray that he might not only be able to preach the gospel, but to preach in such a way that they understand this mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, not only do we have the concept of prayer, the contents of prayer, but then notice lastly, the context of prayer. Paul says that all praying should be done, get this now, in the Spirit. Look at verse 18 again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication, again specific and nonspecific prayers, and then it says in the Spirit. Our praying ought to be done in the spirit. And that means that praying non specifically, praying specifically, our supplications 
ought to be prayed in the Spirit. When we speak of uh, someone living in the Spirit, when we speak of someone walking in the Spirit, we're referring to a life that is controlled by the Spirit. So when Paul teaches and says that we ought to pray in the Spirit, he's saying our prayer life and our prayer time ought to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. And when we offer prayers as nonspecific, and when we offer supplications, which are specific prayers, we should to do so under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And notice, Paul mentions another type of prayer, and that is silent prayer. Turning your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8. It's not going to be on the screen. Romans chapter number 8 should be very close to where you are. And look at verses 26 and verses 27. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and verse number 27. So we have... Prayers, non-specific. We have supplication, which are specific prayers. And then we have silent prayers here in Romans 8, verses 26 and verse 27. Notice what God's Word says. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is, in, what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This verse is very, very often misunderstood by those who are saved and by those who are, are lost. And many times we pray prayers, we pray supplications that come from our lips, and the best that we know how, and to the best of our knowledge, that we are praying in the Spirit. But here in Romans 8 and verse 26 and verse 27, Paul is talking about another kind of praying in the Spirit, and where we never make a sound with our own lips. We never verbalize what we're thinking. So in other words, we pray in silence. The Bible tells us the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Notice this third kind of praying. I like to call it silent praying. The Bible tells us that this type of praying can't be uttered by our human lips. The Bible says the Spirit maketh intercession for us. The Spirit prays for us. You see, when we're weak and we don't exactly know how or what or when we should pray, God himself through the Holy Spirit of God helps by making intercession for us. There's been times in my life where I fell on my knees weeping and crying, not even knowing what to say. I don't know even where to begin. I just know that I need to come to God in prayer. And in my tears and in my sorrow and in my weeping, I believe believe this is what takes place, this silent praying where the Holy Spirit intercedes on my behalf to the Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, and says this is what He needs. For example, there are people who have been born in this life that have never spoken a word, not one word in all their entire life. And with their lips, they have never prayed a nonspecific prayer. With their lips, they never prayed a specific uh, prayer because they're incapable of talking. They don't have the ability to talk. But understand this, they can pray silent prayers, and they can have this kind of praying in the Spirit from the Holy Spirit. They can pray with groanings which cannot be uttered by by that human voice. The Bible tells us 
And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, this kind of praying, this silent praying is, is not us praying. It's the Spirit of God praying within us. The Bible says he maketh an intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You see, when we verbalize our prayers, whether it's nonspecific prayer or whether it's specific prayer, uh, understand this. We often pray those words and think and thoughts in our mind. But guess what? Sometimes, and not all the time, do we always pray according to God's will for our life. But when the Holy Spirit prays, guess what? He always prays according to God's will for our life. Notice again here that the Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God prays within us. Notice what it says, groanings which cannot be uttered. We can't even speak it, and the Holy Spirit makes intercession for you and I. I think some of the most effective seasons of prayer in my life has been when I just sat down in the presence of God and shut my trap and just let God be God. And the Holy Spirit within us will make those groanings for us that cannot be uttered uh, by man, and he'll pray for us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. Every time that we turn our attention to God and speak to him, we are praying to him. Every time we turn our attention to God and don't say a word with our lips, we're praying in the Spirit. John 14 and verse number 13, also in verse number 14, it's repeated twice in those two verses. The Lord says this, If he shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. When the Holy Spirit prays from within us, he'll never ask anything outside of God's will. He'll only pray for those things that glorify his Father in heaven. And the idea is simply of communication to God beyond our ability to express deep groanings within us which cannot be expressed from the interceding work of the Holy Spirit of God. You see, as we close this morning, prayer is a very, very valuable resource. We should make it one of the top priorities in our life. But it's sad to say, as most born-again believers, do not spend very much time and very little time in prayer. Let me close with this illustration. For centuries, one of the chief problems faced by armies of all nations has been battlefield communications. Soldiers in the battle must be able to speak to their leaders, and their leaders must be able to communicate messages and strategies to the army on the battlefield. For many years, there was almost an unsurmountable problem. Most armies depended on runners, literally runners, to carry messages back and forth. And with the advent of the telegraph and telegram, the problem was alleviated to some degree, but not in the middle of a battle. But as they send troops to another part of the country, they could do that rather easily. 
I think of a movie that just came out not too long ago entitled uh, 1917. Uh, it was a movie about World War I. The whole movie, the premise was uh, of this movie was one soldier was to take uh, a message to the commander miles and miles and miles away through trenches and enemy territory and forest and and, and, and uh, war-ravaged lands to take a letter to that commander and say, do not attack, it's a trap. And the whole movie was comprised about this man and his partner getting to where they needed to be to deliver that message. Thank God in modern times, armies communicate using satellite relays. And anytime a soldier in the field can contact his superiors, regardless of where they're located in the whole world, almost instant communication is now possible between uh, commanders and soldiers on the field. Orders can be relayed. Battlefield updates can be passed up the chain. Replacements and provisions can be requested and decisions and changes can be made that will have an immediate impact on the battle that's tasting place right then and there. But did you realize this, that we as Christian soldiers have possessed the same capacity for thousands of years. Every time and any time we call on the name of the Lord, we can request his help. We can share our burdens with him and address any situation in our area that arises. You know, that ought to give us some great confidence as we serve the Lord in this world. Let's commit ourselves to him and seek his help to be the kind of prayer warrior that God expects us to be and desires, desires us to be. Let us make great work in this matter of prayer. We have set aside this year to be a year of prayer. I wonder if you will commit yourself uh, to do that. You know, we, we, some of us here, including myself, are a little bit overweight. My body doesn't look like it did when I first met Diana. I weighed 162 pounds. Now I weigh 100 and none of your business pounds, amen. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, I became thicker and thicker and dream of getting thinner and thinner. It doesn't work out. I don't know why. And yet, I sit every once in a while and have nachos and chocolate milkshakes and take a nap instead of exercising. Why? Why do I do that when I'm getting thicker and thicker instead of thinner and thinner? I tell you why. Because I'm not willing to pay the price. I'm not willing to pay the price to exercise. You know what? Our churches today, including Sharon Baptist Church, are paying a terrible price because people are not willing to pray. They're not willing to take a stand and pray, pray, pray. In order to pray effectively, we have to understand what the Bible teaches about the concept of prayer, the contents of our prayer, and the context of our prayer. Now that you know those things, let's be doers of God's word and not hearers only. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have to come before your people this morning. Oh, Father, what a, a tremendous passage in, in Romans 8. Father, speaking about that silent prayer that can't be uttered by man's lips. Or in Ephesians chapter 5, Father, that speaks about praying with all prayer and supplication. So, Father, I pray as we more clearly understand this matter of prayer, that, God, you would help us to 
commit to be a prayer warrior. So, Father, I ask that you speak to your people. Can bring conviction where conviction is needed, Father. Bring joy where joy is needed because they have been a constant and a consistent prayer warrior. But, oh God, most of all, may you just instill a desire in us to just pray. So, Father, we pray for the one that could be here who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. We ask and pray, Father, that you would speak to their heart about their eternal need to be saved. May they put their faith and trust in what Christ has done for them on the cross of Calvary this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing, the work that you're going to do, and the work that you've done in the past in our lives. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's stand to our feet, please, with every head bowed.